0: podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here's your host, Glenn Naughton. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio, and we are on a few days late because we wanted to do a show specifically following the unveiling of the new uniforms, which of course was last night in New York. But before we get into that, let's let's just kick off by thanking our sponsor, who is of course FanDuel Sportsbook. This episode of Jet Nation Radio is sponsored By FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're in New Jersey, you can get a $500 risk-free bet when you sign up. This applies to all of FanDuel Sportsbook's markets, whether you go for NBA, NHL, MLB, or anything else. Sign up today. Check it out. FanDuel Sportsbook. So, the the big unveiling last night in New York City, the Jets had basically everyone on hand there were current players there were former players there were some old timers some not so long ago timers there were plenty of fans there were blog sites there jet nation was on the scene there were plenty of uh of course the entire jets beat was there and uh a uniform that was unfortunately leaked the night before Where that came from, we do not know whether or not the Jets know. We'll, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll discuss that internally. But the uniforms themselves, uh, reaction by and large, pretty good on Jets Twitter. uh, We threw up a poll there a little while ago, well, earlier today, sitting at over 700 votes. 65% say they love it. only only 3 or 4% said they hated it and all the rest were just meh not terrible not not great which I'm fine with to be honest because and you know this this is all a matter of personal opinion but for me myself I'm not a big fashion guy my only concern with this uniform was please don't be atrocious and some may feel it is me personally it's fine there's nothing wrong with it i mean well it's It's not perfect. I will say if I had to pick one thing that I'm not a fan of, don't love the helmet logo. I would have liked uh I would have liked a more obvious jet within the picture, and for those of you who didn't notice, I didn't notice either. Someone pointed it out on Twitter. If you look at the laces of the ball, you know it says jets and the bubble letters underneath that, it's got the football. The laces are actually the outline of a a forward facing jet but it's such a small, tiny detail that uh, I, think, I think the team should have made an effort to make it a bigger part of the logo. So that would be my one gripe. Leading up to it, I was like, ah, do I, I want to see a black alternate? Is that too sort of 90s? When You know, whenever everybody, I remember as a kid thinking how cool it would be if they had a black uniform. And uh, But I'll tell you what, man, I, I think that might have been my favorite one. I really did like the black uniform. I thought it looked excellent. The green, probably probably my least favorite. What did they call it? Uh, Gotham green, spotlight white, and stealth black. Uh, Neil Glatt was there, team president. He spoke. Owner Christopher Johnson was there. He spoke. Now, there, there was some conversation today on Twitter about was it too much? Was it too over the top? You know, somebody said to me that this isn't this is this isn't an Apple launching a new iPhone. You know what? Why all the hoopla? It's a new uniform. And I get it, but I also understand the Jets' perspective, where this is. I mean, listen, and this is what I said in my reply on Twitter. They're not Apple, but they are a multi-billion-dollar business. They're trying to get their customers fired up. This is supposed to be a turning point now. Christopher Johnson said it last year. When Sam Donald was drafted. This is a turning point for our organization. And this is that next step. Of a fresh start. Let's get the fan base fired up. Let's bring them out to the city. To meet the players. As I said. Players current. Players past. Christopher Johnson worked the crowd a little bit. As I said. Team President Neil Glatt was there. Players on hand. Of course you had Sam Donald. You had Jamal Adams. You had Robbie Anderson. You had Leo. Chris Herndon was there. Avery Williamson was there, Quincy and Inunua was there, they were loving it, they're pumped up, I mean of course they're playing in the crowd a little bit, they're not going to go out there, you know, mopey with their heads hanging at a, a fan event, but listen, it's not the end of the world, if you like the uniforms or not, at the end of the day it's about wins and losses, but it's still a, it's a fun topic I guess, and it's, you know, it's like I said, my concern was don't come out in something that's atrocious. And there are, I have seen some fans who say they're just that, they're terrible, they suck, they "If you're, I mean, come on, they're not even looking at it cynically, like if I try to find something to not like about them, they're not, at their worst, they're not that bad. And like I said, I think the black is pretty sharp, and even though the helmet, even though like I said, I don't like the bubbles, the bubble letters, that style, um, I like the shine, had some shine to it. So um, overall, I'm happy with them. If you're not, what are you gonna do? You gonna stop? You gonna stop rooting for the Jets because you, you don't like the clothes they wear anymore? Like, I know the saying "root for laundry," but are you, are you literally rooting for the, the 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 color patterns? I mean, who does that? Is you really gonna take that much enjoyment out of your your game day experience? Oh, I Jets went 14 and two, but those uniforms are horrible. I'm not going to any more games. No, I'm not saying they going 14 and two this year. Thirteen and three, but no, seriously, uh, the uniforms are—they are what they are. Again, unfortunately, they were leaked the night before, but uh, I'm just excited for football. You know, and anytime, uh, listen, we know this all too well. You know, something about a, a fresh start, new coach, new—you uh, know, new coordinators, players added via free agency. Um, these things happen, and, and you're like, you want to get last season out of your mind so bad that. You want the season to start tomorrow and you hear it, you know, you hear it every every time there's a big off season, you know, free agency kicks off, you sign two or three big names. And it's like, Oh, like, why can't the season start tomorrow? And that's how we feel. And I get it. You know, you, you want, you want football to get underway. You got Adam Gase, another, you know, another part of this new era and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, The more I look at this offense, the more I look at the pieces that are in place right now, and I've talked about it, how this could be one of the most prolific offenses this team has ever had. If, you know, Sam Donald being the key factor, if he continues to develop, because if he does, you then have a bonafide franchise quarterback. And as you know, we've gone over it. They now have a top three, arguably, arguably top one running back. Quincy and Robbie can get it done. Herndon showed a lot of promise. Crowder is gonna be a, uh, you know, should be a, a fit. Should give defenses fits out of the slot. I think this team has some pieces in place where, uh, it, you know, you look at what Adam Gase did in, in Miami when he had a healthy Ryan Tannehill. He he wasn't bad. They they did a pretty good job. Ryan Tannehill, he's a guy who uh, made some strides under Adam Gase. Played some of his best football under Adam Gase and if Adam Gase can do the same thing for Sam Darnold, get him to take another step or two in the right direction with all the weapons he has around him. This is absolutely a new a new era of Jets football. What it brings remains to be seen. But the franchise quarterback is entering year 2 and they've surrounded him with quality pieces and there's no reason why this this team shouldn't uh shouldn't Outperform the expectation. I, mean, I saw Vegas is over under on the Jets wins this year with seven. I'm going over. I'm going to put a little bit of money on that. Absolutely, I said it last week. I said it the last couple weeks. This is a team that can win nine, ten games. Seven. I'm I'm taking the over. Not that I endorse gambling. Um, gamble for fun only. Don't gamble money you don't have for crying out loud. But yeah, uniforms are here. Like them or not. Uh, and honestly, if you don't like them, you, over time, you, you're, you're not going to realize it anymore. It, it's about the game. W- once the games kick off, you, you're not going to get caught up in that. And if you are, you probably just shouldn't be watching football. So last week, we talked a little bit of draft. We, uh, we went over some O-linemen. We went over some pass rushers. What I wanted to do today... I was trying to decide which positions to go over, offense, defense, which, uh, which direction to go. And uh, I was going to do tight ends and wide receivers, but I've decided, and actually, I meant to mention this earlier with Robbie Anderson. Having, having said wide receivers, I just jogged my memory. I don't know if you saw Robbie Anderson last night at the event. Afterward, dressed sharp. All smiles, a little bit of an image makeover, you know, reinventing himself could be something the agent tells him to do. I get it, I'm not stupid. Well, maybe I am, but not in this particular instance. Of course, players will do things to improve their public image. But Robbie Anderson is a guy who, I, I, you know, you have reason to believe that with all the off-field stuff he's gone through, all of it his own doing. I'm not saying it wasn't his fault. The issues he's run into. Uh, fans wanted him cut. Some fans wanted him cut. Get rid of this guy. He's a bum. He's an idiot. I mean, for crying out loud, I, I saw fans calling for him to be cut. What was it? Two years ago when he threw his helmet and drew a flag. I mean, Jesus. The way some fans approach the roster, you would think that, that guys that can do the things Robbie Anderson does, you would think they grow on trees. That's not the case. But I think we all know, any, anyone who's been around for a while, who's watched enough football, any sport really, you see these players that have their ups and downs, whether it's on the field, off the field, and you get these fluff pieces written by the media, how he's better because of this, and he's better because of that, and he's learned his lesson, and he's taking steps, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And there was a piece, a similar piece, or a piece like that, uh, about Robbie Anderson last year. that talked about him being arrested, and him... Spending, what was it, a night or two in jail, it might have been a few hours, whatever the hell it was. Um, and Robbie Anderson said that changed his perspective, changed his life, which maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I'm not here to say I know what the hell is going on in Robbie Anderson or anybody else's head. But it's not, it's not all that far-fetched to think that a young guy like Robbie Anderson, undrafted free agent, really to some degree ha- has the world at his fingertips. He's got to know he, 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 him and his agent aren't dummies in terms of you know what his what his income could could become one day. Robbie Anderson knows he he can be a guy who makes a hundred million dollars over the course of his career if he keeps doing the things he's doing and the quarterback play improves. So when, when you know when I see a piece that says Robbie Anderson, you know took stock of his situation while he spent some time in jail. And realize he needed to turn his life around. It, it, it's not far-fetched. It's possible. It's entirely possible that that kick in the ass was what he needed. And if it was, and if he does turn it around, I'll tell you what, the Jets are going to be pretty damn happy they didn't let him go. And if he doesn't turn it around, you can't let him go. But, but you see how he does this offseason. And when he has his best season this year, Which is what I, I mean, I don't think there's any question. This should be the best quarterback situation he's ever had and the best offensive situation he's ever had. Unless he just doesn't see the targets. Unless the Jets spread it around so much because they have so many targets. I could see that being the only thing stopping Robbie Anderson from having a 12 or 1300 yard season with double digit touchdowns. If he's heavily targeted, look out. If they spread it around, he'll have a high yards per catch. Average total numbers, you know, yards and all that may not be as, as as high as they would on another team. But he's a guy, I'll tell you what, who, uh, you know what it reminds me of. And, and, you know, I'm not saying, and I was talking to someone about this earlier. I'm not sitting here saying Robbie Anderson is going to be a Hall of Fame receiver like Chris Carter was for the Minnesota Vikings. But for those of you who remember, Chris Carter was a guy who had a couple of really nice years for the Eagles. Put up some pretty good numbers in Philly, but he had some off-field issues. He was, he was a cokehead, and Buddy Ryan knew it, and it got out of control, and the Eagles let him go. So, I'm not saying Robbie Anderson is going to be a Hall of Famer, nor am I saying Robbie Anderson's actions are as bad as Chris Carter's. I'm not. The point I'm making is that sometimes it's worth it to stick with a troubled player when they have the amount of talent that Robbie Anderson has. Now, for Chris Carter, his wake-up call was getting cut. That's what it took for him to get his head on straight and fly right and become a Hall of Famer. Luckily for the Jets, Robbie Anderson's wake-up call, or so it would seem, was doing something stupid behind the wheel, mouthing off to a cop, allegedly, and spending a little bit of time in jail and thinking about a situation and maybe, maybe growing up quite a bit in a short time. So, for me, I'm I'm pumped that he wasn't let go, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense. And if he does something stupid again, then you look at letting him go. But as of right now, I, I look back and I laugh at the people who said he should be cut because he threw his helmet and got a flag. I mean, for crying out loud, people are out of their minds. But he's the guy you, you got to be happy he's on your side on Sundays on game days. So that's uh that's a, that's enough about Robbie. I've covered him quite a bit throughout, you know, the last couple of years because because I'm so often shocked at the way people talk about him. Again, you you would think that that these these track stars who can make NFL defensive backs look terrible on a consistent basis, you would think they grow on trees, and they just don't. And the Jets have one, so uh, let's all just root for the guy. And and hope, hope he gets his head on straight. But as I was saying, I was trying to decide what to preview, wide, wide receivers, tight ends, DBs. And um, I decided on just one position group today because it's one of the deepest in the draft. There are a lot of interesting names, a lot of early names, a lot of late names. Well, a few late names that I really like. And, uh, and it's something that jumped out at me. I think I mentioned on the air. At the time when Mike McCagnan went met with the media at the owners' owners' meeting or combine combine, I believe, yeah, at the combine, and he was asked, you know, what what position group stood out to him, and right away he said tight ends. That was that was a, the the first thing out of his mouth. Is that the tight end group stood out stood out to him, as it should. It's a deep group this year, and no, the Jets don't have a lot of draft picks, and now with Chris Herndon on board, tight end isn't necessarily a need per se. But listen, if we're talking about building something special on offense, why in the world would you not look at adding a multidimensional tight end when you go to a two tight end set? Maybe you have two tight ends who can block. Maybe you have one who can line up at H-back or fullback for a few plays while the other guy lines up in line. And maybe maybe neither one of them is a liability as a blocker. And it gives you uh, some versatility on offense. Add a guy who can block, add a guy who can line up in the slot. Just find a multi-dimensional guy, and there are a few of those in this draft. There are some guys who may not be as proven as blockers, but when you, wa- when you watch them on film, you see that they have the, the willingness, which is, you know, I've said many times that that's the key. When you're trying to develop some of these young blockers, some guys just don't have the don't have the heart to stick their face in the fan like that. You know, they're they're okay to to run a route and catch a ball and take a hit, but they don't want to stay in the stay in the trenches and grind it out with a with, with a big man. But there are some guys in this draft who will, and there's some other guys in this draft who who have shown they can do it at a high level, and others who have shown they're willing and other guys, you know, again, just some some interesting, intriguing prospects at tight end. And so that's that's what I'm thinking right now with this roster, with this offense. If you can find a tight end in the 4th or 5th round who can catch it and who can block, who could be a red zone target, I think that would be huge for this offense. I mean, of course as a, you know, we discussed last week, they need o-line. Of course they do. That, that's the other thing. I've said this before, and I don't, I don't understand the number of fans. When you suggest that the Jets take a player, oh, they should get this guy or this guy. And it's not, it's an, it's not a guy who fills the biggest need on the roster. And fans, especially when you talk about first-round picks, but it happens with, a lot, with several rounds. Guys who seem to think that uh, if you're not picking the biggest need on the roster, they act like it's the only pick you have. Like, I've done that in years past. I'll be like, oh, yeah, they should take this guy. And maybe it's like their fifth biggest need, but they have seven or eight picks. And people are like, oh, my God, how can you say that? He's not, he's not our biggest need. And was like, yeah, they, they, they got seven picks, eight picks. They might make trades. They might have ten picks. I, when people flip out when they see a, a player's name that doesn't address a top three need. You, you would think a team is limited. Like, you get one or two picks every year doesn't make sense to me. But uh, we're going to go to the phones real quick right now. We have a caller on the line. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? 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 Yeah, how you doing? You're on the air, caller. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm just calling. Um, I'm from New York and Brooklyn and everything. And, you know, this draft pick situation is a really tight situation because, I mean, it could go either way. What type of weapon? I mean... What what possibly could land there? This no sack was pretty good. But Josh Allen, they saying he's pretty good. And, you know, and then what if Bosa land there? I'm hearing that, oh, he don't fit the system. You know, I don't want to bust if they pick Bosa. But I'll be happy if they pick him. But I'm not too sure if he's the right guy if he falls there, you know? Well, listen, the the great thing about the, the position the Jets are in right now is that being at three, and, and with the rumors that, you know, Kyler Murray's going to go number one, you know, most of the experts seem pretty, pretty united on, on the fact that there are, you know, two or three, depending on how you look at it, there are at least three guys in this draft who, who are viewed as surefire hits in the NFL. Of course, of course that's Bosa, Allen, and Quentin what? Williams.
1: Open now,
0: Bosa is the guy, guy who worries me a little bit because of the injury history. Um, I think Greg Williams will find a way to make him effective, no matter where he uses them, um, whether it's in a, a you know, a, with his hand in the dirt, or if they line him up at, at edge in a three-four. And uh, Quentin Williams, to me, is the best player in the draft, and you can't go wrong getting him either. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna, we're gonna let you go. You, you got a, quite a bit of background noise there. So, so uh, I had to let that caller go. That was getting a little bit out of control. But um, it, listen, the Jets are in a great position when it comes to the draft, having having a, uh, an opportunity to get a blue a blue chip guy like uh, a Bosa or Quinn Williams, and then again Josh Allen is whether or not you class him as a blue chip or whatever, he, he still has the potential to be an elite player, and you're going to get one of those three, or you're gonna get, you're gonna be offered a, a bunch of picks to move down. So I mean that to me, I can't remember the last time the Jets were in the driver's seat quite quite like this because every year every season in the past when they've managed to to land in the top five top ten it's always about a quarterback it's always about you can't pass on a QB you can't pass now of course Mike Mcagnan did pass on some QBs um, most notably Patrick Mahomes uh, which hindsight you know not a great move but you still ended up with a quarterback in in Sam Darnold and you know, I know some people, Deshaun Watson, but to me, he, from what I've seen of him, really good player. I'm not going to knock Deshaun Watson as an overall player, but the guy holds on to the ball so damn long. Um, that Houston O-line takes a ton of heat for, for giving up sacks, but he doesn't do them a whole lot of favors. So, uh, But either way, for the Jets to be sitting at three, the chance to get a blue-chip prospect, whether it's Bosa, whether it's Allen, whether it's Williams, I've said it before, they're, they're in a great spot. Trade down and get a bunch of picks or get a blue chip guy for your front seven. And, and, and you know, that's something I did want to bring up tonight as well. Um, we'll get back to the tight ends in a second. But uh, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that was, yeah, that was it. Because, you know, a lot of people get upset about, you know, how, how much draft capital, premium draft capital – the jets have spent on defense in recent years which makes sense of course you know they they've they've really ignored the offensive side of the ball for far too long now that may happen again this year but in all reality the jets biggest needs on offense at this point you would have to say center now i i you know i'm not going to get into the number 1 receiver thing again because I think I, I think you can do just fine. You have three really good receivers and a really good tight end. That's four quality targets with Le'Veon Bell that you should be able to score points. I don't want to hear that they have to have a number one. You know, teams win Super Bowls without elite receivers all the time. And there are a whole bunch of elite receivers out there with zero Super Bowl rings. All right. Uh, you know, I've, I've gone through that a million times on this show. Uh, look, just look at the last 10, 15 Super Bowl winners. And how many of those guys had a guy as good as Terrell Owens, or as good as Julio Jones, or as good as DeAndre Hopkins? None of those. None of those teams had a guy that good, and they still won because they had good targets, quality targets, good depth. They could spread the ball around. So not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a believer in that. They they have to get a number one receiver. You want to get a better receiver or a young guy to bring along? That's fine. But as far as them going defense in rounds one and two, which could happen this year, or one and three, I should say, unless there's a trade down and they had picks I wouldn't hate that. You've, you've added an all-pro left guard. You've added arguably the best running back in the NFL. You've added an, a, a very good slot receiver. You've spent a lot of money upgrading these offensive players and fans to a, a big degree. And I was guilty of this for a long time, too. We all we all want the great draft picks. Of course you do. You want every damn pick to be an all-pro. You want every pick to work out. The fact of the matter is they don't. And what you need to look at is, is your organization dedicating enough ass, assets to both sides of the ball to win. Are you acquiring quality players? And are you going to get mad that they didn't draft an offensive player early on despite the fact that they just added – Three, well, at least if you want to count, you know, Osmalian and Le'Veon Bell, two all pros, two elite players at their position, and then Crowder in the slot, who's going to be a damn good player in that spot. Like, that, that, that's 30-some, nearly $40 million on offense. So you're going to watch them spend that much money on offense and then complain if they didn't spend a second-round pick on offense? And I'm not saying they shouldn't. When, you know, again, at this point, third round or second, if they, if they add some picks. I mean, I'm just, I don't, I don't, for me personally, you're not going to hear me complain if they go defense, defense in this in this draft. Now, you'll you sure as hell hear me complain if they don't add a center at some point, at some point. Not in round one, unless you move down and add a couple, for, and add, you know, you trade down with the Giants to get their, their two ones, something like that. Absolutely, grab a center, grab Bradbury or you move down to the second round and there's another center there that you like, that's fine too. But if they sit where they are with these picks and they go with Quentin Williams at 1 and then they get the best edge rusher on the board in the third round, I'll have no complaints. But I'll tell you what, that fourth round better be a center. You I mean, come on. you can't you can't you can't not upgrade there. Although, to be fair to Jonathan Harrison, uh, if you look at Sam Darnold's performance, he did absolutely fine last year with Harrison at center um, down the stretch. But anyway, back, back to the, the tight end previews. So, again, the possibility to add a player to this offense in the middle of eight rounds who can be a regular contributor, and there are some good players in this draft. Um, first of all, you got Hawkinson out of, out of Iowa, the two top tight ends in the draft. Hawkinson and Noah Fant, both out of Iowa. There were a lot of people who came into the season feeling like Fant was the better player. And as the season went on, uh, some folks changed their minds and it kind of became Hawkinson. But it kind of depends who you talk to. I've seen them flip-flop in a few different places. I think they're both really good players. I think Hawkinson, I like him a lot as an inline blocker. I think he's a guy who can make plays in the passing game. Fant could probably make bigger plays in the passing game. But either way, whatever team ends up with them is going to be in a good spot. And I've said previously, I would have no issue. Again, say the Jets trade down; they, you know, they end up in, at 15. Say they trade with the Redskins, I would have no no issue taking Hawkinson in that spot. Fant, he's probably going to go with the top of round two somewhere, and beyond that, you have Alabama's Irv Smith. Now he's a, he's a tough dude. He kind of reminds me of a guy like Quincy Enunwa in that. You could line him up at H back, and he's a tough guy to bring down. We're near as fast as Quincy. Don't get me wrong, Irv Smith. You know combine, he ran a four six three. Quincy Newman ran a four four five. So Irv Smith six two four six three, tough guy. He'll move around. You know you can move him around in your offense. Ask on the block in line or out of the backfield, and he you know he could do a nice job there. Another good Alabama player. Then you get a guy like Caden Smith out of Stanford, six five, not the fastest guy, ran just over four nine, but he's coming out of a pro system, really physical guy, more than willing to mix it up in the trenches. As I've said, you get these these multi dimensional guys, who seem to be kind of going by the wayside in the pro game. But Caden Smith is a guy who gives you an opportunity to get a guy that, that, that's willing to do those things. UCLA's Caleb Wilson. 6'4, 240. For the, the, I haven't watched a ton of him. Haven't haven't loved him as a blocker, but honestly haven't seen enough of him to be all that critical. Uh ran a decent 40 at the combine, four five six. He's got he's got good hands. He's a hard worker. Like you can see, he's one of those guys busts his ass every play. And he can, you know, he can work down the seams a little bit. Isaac Nauta out of Georgia was an interesting guy. Because I liked him coming into the draft process. I thought he was going to be a guy that would run in the mid four fives from what I saw of him on film at Georgia, and he had a disastrous run at Indy, and he was clocked at four nine one, which I I thought wow I mean I that was f- way slower than I I mean I didn't I think universally people were like what the hell is going on here that that guy is not you watch him play Georgia he is not a four nine one again I I thought I thought mid four fives. Then he had his pro day and still didn't hit mid-4.5s, but he was upper. He was 4.59, which is much better than his 4.91. Now, this is another guy who's, who's a good blocker. Uh, one thing that jumped out at me, though, he, he, he does tend to go down a little bit easier than you would expect for a guy his size. Um, I, I, would, I would expect him to be able to fight through some tackles a little bit more. Didn't see that as much as I would have liked. Kind of a mid-rounder a guy who can block for you, decent pass catcher, not a bad option. Uh, Michigan's Zach Gentry is a guy, he comes in at 6'8", which makes him intriguing. He was uh, recruited as a quarterback, so he's really raw. I mean, he's a project. Uh, not a guy I would want on board now. Not with a, you know, If he's there in the seventh round and you haven't grabbed the tight end for some reason, fine, but really not, not looking for another long-term project cj conrad out of kentucky he's more of a blocking guy not really what the jets need you know they can they they brought tomlinson back who i mean let's face it if things work out tomlinson doesn't make the roster somebody's got to outperform him jay sternberger is a an interesting guy he's the next guy on the list now he's out of texas a&m and i've seen him there are a couple of guys um that you look at in different mocks and you know Listen, we, we all love reading about these guys. We all love watching these guys. We all love giving our best guesses to where they'll go. But I'll tell you what: if the guys who do this for a living are as far apart on their projections with these guys as they are, you know w- what the hell do we expect? Uh, you know, uh, a blogger, podcaster, writer, fan, whatever. What, you know? Whichever site you like, whichever pods you listen to, whichever experts you know on, on the on the major networks. How are they going to get it right when the the draft Knicks are are as far off as they are? Uh, Jake Sternberg is a guy I've seen mocked anywhere from the second round to the sixth round. Um, I actually had him, I think, as a fifth or sixth rounder in my initial mock with the Jets. And then I was blown away when I saw him mocked in the second. And I can't remember who it was, but somebody had him going really early. And I thought, Jesus, am I that far off on this guy? Like, he doesn't look like a second rounder to me. And then I saw him in another place listed as a fifth. So... You know, these guys are all over the map with some of these players. But the guy that if I if I if you came to me and said the Jets can spend a fourth or fifth rounder on a sleeper tight end. um, Let's say, you know, let's say they went defense in round one, defense in round three. And now you're sitting there in round four. Maybe round five. I don't know if this guy will be around in round five. That's why I would I, – I, sometimes I am guilty of, of uh, falling in love with a player and, and showing a willingness to draft him a round or two earlier than he's projected because I want to make sure you get him. But a guy who jumped out to me, I saw his name earlier in the season, didn't have much of a chance to watch him. Then since I realized I was going to be doing tight ends, I focused a little more on them the last few days. And uh, I had his name you know, on, on my, the list of eligible tight ends that I had written down. But I hadn't watched much of them, not any of them, to be honest. And uh, just the last couple of days, I watched as much of them as I could find. You know, again, small school guy, Josh Oliver out of San Jose State, six five, two forty nine, ran a four six three. But this guy, I mean, he plays tough. Was con- a converted linebacker, I, I believe, in high school. Out of high school, I don't think he played. I don't think he ever saw action at linebacker in college. I would have to look look deeper into that. But just in terms of his size, six five, he's got good size. Speed's decent at four six three. Can definitely block. He's a guy that you could, you know, much like Chris Herndon, you could have him on the field for all three downs. And some of the some of the catches that uh, that I saw him make, just contorting himself, balls that were thrown behind him, balls that were thrown low. He showed really good hands. Um, production was excellent. And I don't I don't see how. I mean, I think someone's going to get a steal with this guy. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but from what I saw of him, Josh Oliver, that's a guy that uh, if I'm the Jets and he's there in round four, round five, absolutely grabbing him, absolutely pairing him with Chris Herndon and giving Sam Darnold another weapon down the field. The other guy, the other small school guy I want to throw out there, and this is... When you get these really small school guys, it's almost impossible to find a you know, decent amount of film on them. So you have to find, you know, a couple highlight reels, and that's about it, and some scouting reports that you can read. But Stetson's Donald Parham, P A R H A M, six foot eight, four six five. Four six five is that's a pretty damn good time for a guy who's six foot eight. I mean, you talk about a guy, here's a guy you could draft Probably get him late, probably round five, round six, and you can. If nothing else, you can work him in early on as a as a red zone guy. He's six eight. You had you had somebody like that. You have somebody like that in the huddle. You know, I I I don't know how how you don't you know you don't see how much that could that could help your quarterback your young quarterback. Uh, from day one, you know, the, the only the problem with Donald Parham and, you know, as the case with any guy who goes to a school that small, he, he really does. It, you know, when you watch some of these highlights of him, <clears throat> pardon me, when you watch some of these highlights. he do, He's literally a man among boys. He just he, he looks so much better than the guys he's playing against that you just you want to get a look at him against some better competition. Now he, he he impressed at the Senior Bowl. He did a good job there, but li, li, listen to his again. It's Stetson. It's a small school. You really wish this kid went to Michigan or Ohio State, somewhere big, big time school, so you can see him against the big boys consistently. But uh, for 2018, 85 catches for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns, at six foot eight, at of Lakeland, Florida. The problem. He's playing Valparaiso and Drake. You know, you're not getting a really a true read, but everything you find on the guy in regards to his performance during Senior Bowl week is that he was turning a lot of heads, and and you can see why. I mean, a six foot eight tight end in this offense uh, as a red zone option, I mean, I, I would love it. That that would be. Absolutely fantastic, and again, he's a guy you could probably get late because of the fact that he's a he's a, a small school guy. And last, the last guy I'm going to mention, Dawson Knox. He's an Ole Miss guy. Didn't put up huge numbers in college, but from what I've seen of him, when I was you know I was watching some Ole Miss because of the receivers they have there, and again, I knew we'd be talking a, a little bit about tight ends tonight. I think that his His production wasn't great, but he's still a guy at six four who runs well and and has an opportunity. I'm trying to think uh where I've seen him projected. I meant to jot that down. I've seen him mentioned as a mid rounder, and that's that's where things get dicey with the jets because they have so few picks and i I really think, and you know we'll see what happens, but I think we're gonna see. Come draft time, we're going to see Mike McCagnin, you know, even if the Jets don't trade down in round one, which so many of us are anticipating. And real quick, Dawson Knox, he had 15 grabs, 284 last year, uh, 24 for 321 the previous season. But, again, that team is so loaded with receivers and just offensive weapons that sometimes you get these guys who they don't work themselves into the mix because there's just not not enough football to go around, and that's where you maybe get a steal. And that's what uh, Dawson Knox offers um, in terms of value. So, you know, that, that, that's something you have to like. And so, as I was saying, with, uh, in terms of trade value trading down, you can't really rule out the, the possibility of, you know, it, stuff like this goes under the radar. And, but especially with Mike McKagan, we've seen this a few times, where he'll make a lot of mid and late round deals move down eight spots, move up three spots. Um, and it, because it's not a first round deal, people kind of forget that they happen. They don't realize how many trades this team has made, you know, during the draft, moving up and down here and there. And I think this year the, the goal could be to say, look, let's uh round four, round five, whatever it is, let's let's move down a couple times. And if we could you know if we can move down to eight spots in round four and had a fifth or you know, move down a few spots in round five and add a sixth and a seventh. And I think this is what I think that's what you're gonna see this team do. I don't think you're gonna see them out of this draft uh, without any any more picks than what they have now. But if if the goal is to make some deals before the draft, you have to wonder if you know if Mike Mcagnan, looking at their roster, who does Mike Mcagnan have? on his 53-man roster that him and Adam Gase feel like they can, they can afford to move and not, not miss a beat, but get a guy who can, or do they have a guy who can get them a draft pick or two? And, you know, there are some obvious names. And, you know, there aren't a ton of names. There's not a, a lot of guys on this roster that you think the Jets, that, that would be expendable, but they could bring something back in terms of a draft pick. Really, the, the, the one guy that jumps out and really should to, to many fans because there's a good chance he will be gone, and that's Darren Lee, who I'll tell you what. That, was, I, that, that did cross my mind during that unveil the other day or uh, last night is that Darren Lee was sort of unofficially the, 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 the new uniform guy on Twitter. Um, he, was, he tweeted about it more actively than any other player and if 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 that didn't make it obvious that he's not part of this team's future uh nothing else would because let's face it this guy this guy was again he he did the most talking about the new uniforms and now when the uniforms are unveiled he is a former first-round pick, and he's not invited. He's not coming to the party. They got Chris Herndon there. They got Avery Williamson there. Quincy, Robbie, Sam, Leo, Jamal. No Darren Lee. Darren Lee not invited to the party. And I'll tell you what, man. You, you got Darren Lee, and I I tweeted this out. He These guys do this stuff, you know, for me, I'm just guessing, but I think it's, I think it's the drug stuff that I think that was the last draw for the Jets. I hope I'm wrong. as I've said, I would love for them to keep him and let let Greg Williams find a role for him in his defense, but I, I just don't see it happening. It, all signs point to a Darren Lee departure. And it's it's weird. Uh, I will admit this is this is a weird thing that I do sometimes. I'll sour on a player, and I'll be I'll be down on a guy for a while. And especially when they do something stupid like the drug stuff, and there's that part of me that doesn't want him on the roster anymore. But then there's that th- then there's a little compassion where I'm like, you know what, man, I'm I'm mad at this dude. I'm mad at what he did, but I. I want him to bounce back and, and prove me and everybody else wrong. I want him to have a, a, an awesome year. But in Darren Lee's case, I think, and, and and remember, this isn't, this isn't, the drug thing isn't the only issue with Darren Lee. You know, he did have a better year last year than, you know, far better than he had the previous couple seasons. Wasn't even close. But he still had he has still had a lot of off field stuff. Some of it more just weird than anything else. But you know, I mentioned it a week or two ago. Getting dragged out of a concert by Leo. And I get it. they you know, they're young guys at a concert, stuff happens. Nobody got hurt. But that, you know, being dragged away screaming at a woman in today's environment is you know, not a teams are gonna frown upon that in a big way. The weird Fight story that he told in Ohio. I, I recapped that recently. Thanked the police for helping him with the fight. The police were like, "We didn't do. We don't have any fight. Nobody told us anything." Um, so the drug use, the weird behavior, the improved but not great on-field play. Not, I mean, very good in pass coverage last year. Not so much against the run. So just not enough there. Perhaps that's the way the Jets view it the Jets might be looking at Darren Lee and saying, look, yes, we did use a first-round pick on this guy. Yes, he is trending in the right direction. However, the bizarre off-field behavior plus the drug use makes you a guy that we, just, we don't want in our building anymore. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he, too, turns himself around, gets head in the right direction. But if not, this was, again, remember, this started as a conversation about potential... Players who could potentially be traded to add a draft pick, and I think I think he would be one of those guys. I think Darren Lee is, or is the top guy. That's will likely look to move and see if they can get a draft pick. I don't think he's going to do better than a fifth rounder. I think I said maybe a fifth, maybe you get a conditional fourth. Hey, it's a five next year unless he starts X amount of games, and then it becomes a four. You know, something along those lines. Who knows? Beyond Darren Lee, I mean, the, the, probably the next closest guy, and and you know, th- this kind of changed when when the Jets said they were staying in the three four. But you, you think Jordan Jenkins, now uh, you they could have some trade value, and that'll just come down to what what Greg Williams thinks of him, because I, I like Jordan Jenkins a lot. Um, again, I'm not uh, I'm not putting him in Canton, but I think he's a real good, I, high character guy. Jordan Jenkins just. Some of these guys, you get you get that little glimpse of their personality when you you know because of all the access we have on the internet and Twitter and all that, um, and just Jordan Jenkins just seems like a genuinely good dude, um, good player, good guy. But is he a guy that Greg Williams envisions as being able to get enough out of him versus what the Jets might be able to do if they say to Greg Williams, well, you know. W- if we go with an edge guy in the draft, is there somebody else that you think can outperform Jordan Jenkins that we might be able to get with a pick that we could trade him for? You know, Jordan Jenkins had seven sacks last year, twenty eight quarterback hits and hurries. So you could have very easily had a ten sack season. So do you look at that and try to market him out there and say somebody offers you a fourth for Jordan Jenkins? Does Greg Williams see somebody in the draft who he thinks yeah, I can get me that guy with the fourth round pick and I can put him to use and get more out of, you know, get more out of that guy or as much out of that guy as we can get out of Jordan Jenkins. So this isn't, I'm not saying this is a guy that I would like to see traded because I like Jordan Jenkins a lot. I hope, he sees, I hope he plays well enough to earn himself another deal with the Jets. Like I said, good player, productive, looks to be ascending. And, man, frustrating. It would have been great if he had a 10-sack season. Ended up with seven. Like I said, according to pro football focus, 28 other quarterback hits, hurries, pressures, whatever you want to call them. But really, outside of those two guys, you know, if you're looking at it objectively, there's there's really not a lot there in the cupboard in terms of trades. Because someone asked me that the other day, you know, if they're going to add picks, you know, now, could they, could they move Brian Winters? Is he a guy, do do they, do they like any of the other, you know, do they like Ben Braden enough that they can say, you know what, Brian Winters is a good, but not great player. Uh, We think we can get Ben Braden to be a good player and we can save the 6.5 million we owe Brian Winters. And we can move him for a late-round pick. And Ben Braden takes his spot. I would imagine, given the fact that Brian Winters, again, he, he's, uh, he's a guy you can live with. I say it all the time. You know, fans fall in love with, you know, they want everybody to be a pro bowler. But that's not the way the real world works. So maybe maybe, you know, Tom Compton is a guy who has starting experience. Do they think he's just as good as, Brian, as good as Brian Winters? Jordan Morgan is a guy who hasn't played a lot but was was highly thought of in Chicago after the senior bowl. Now, of course, something went wrong if the Bears let him go. But the point I'm making is that if you're trying to add picks and you have a, a player in Brian Winters who could probably would have some value when you look at offensive lines around the NFL, there are plenty of O-lines who would be better through the addition of a guy like Brian Winters. And then with Morgan, Compton, Braden, with those guys on the roster, all of them younger than Winters with the exception of Compton, is he a possible target to be traded? We'll find out. The draft will be here. I mean, it can't get here soon enough. I think um, I think it's going to be... It's. Or it, it has the potential to be a draft that uh, that really again, given the fact that the 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 biggest the best talent is on defense, it has the the chance to to get this Jets defense to another level. Now, of course, they need to address the secondary, the corner spots, I should say, at some point, um, be it this, you know. The most likely scenario is next season. That's a heavy target. I think you're going to see Tremaine Johnson get a spot, get a shot to get his head on straight. And you're going to see Daryl Roberts and Derek Jones get a shot for that number two spot. Really hope one of those guys shines. And win. really Derek Jones, I mean, the guy with, with who is as electric as he is, the things he can do physically, um, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not mentally he's keeping up with the game well enough to, to win that spot because that guy has, he's, he's got some electricity in him. So the Jets may view him as a guy who can play because really they didn't, they didn't really go hard after any corners in free agency. Uh, I mean, not there were, not that there were a ton of great ones out there, but I think the Jets are a little bit more comfortable at corner than people realize. Um, and that was something I'd said the other day and a couple of people thought I was a little bit nuts, but all this talk about the Jets need a number two corner, the Jets need a number two corner, the Jets may view it differently because they've got their number one in Tremaine Johnson, whether you like it or not. The money he's making, he is their number one. And that's why they are hoping and praying that Greg Williams can get him to play better than he played last year. On the other side, if the Jets are going to Greg Williams and saying, all right, Greg, Here's all the film we have on Derek Jones. Here's all the film we have on Daryl Roberts. Now, of course, these guys, well, Derek Jones specifically didn't see a lot of game action, but they're filming practice. Indoors, outdoors, they have the cameras rolling. They can They can take a look at that. And then, of course, you have Denard Wilson, who's the secondary coach, who worked with Greg Williams in St. Louis. And Greg Williams obviously likes him enough. He retained him on his staff once he was hired. And if Greg Williams goes to Denard Wilson and says, listen, man, can, can we can, – are, are either of these two guys good enough to be a number two? If Denard Wilson says, look, uh, Daryl Roberts outplayed our number two last year in Morris Claiborne. Granted, it wasn't a sustained, you know, wasn't for 16 games. But in small flashes, he outplayed the guy he was behind on the bench. And then Derek Jones behind him looked damn good when he got some run against the Patriots in week 17. And he's got some great skills. So sometimes you see it. Sometimes teams roll the dice and they look internally and say, We have some guys who can get the job done. Or we have some guys who we think can get the job done and we're gonna give them a look. So I, I wouldn't be so quick to assume this team is gonna is gonna use a premium pick on a corner. Now don't get me wrong, if you know if they add picks in round one or top of round two and Greedy Williams falls, that's a whole different ballgame. But as it stands now, I think the Jets are comfortable at corner. I think if they do add one, it won't be an early premium. It won't be a one or a two or a three. Maybe a later round guy. But we will see, and all of our questions will be answered in just a few weeks. So hang in there, Jets fans. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, Jet Nation Radio. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again, actually, in a few days. As I said, push tonight's show back a few days to cover the uniforms. And we will be back next week with more Jet Nation Radio. Take care, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Glenn on Twitter at AceFan23. And the show can be found at Jet Nation Radio. Until next time, go Jets!